Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our Young Professional Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Paris from Include Software, Brett Lemke with Iron Landscape, and Neil Glatt with Grew at the Bench. Happy oh. Monday. Yeah, we record on Mondays now. I don't know if our listeners know that yet. Mm. You get the freshest of us. The freshest? <laughs> this is, the, we, uh, or the no, least fresh, depending uh, it, on the weekend. <laughs> in the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Good point. It means nothing to our listeners what they record on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the episodes always drop on Thursdays. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll look back. We'll, we'll listen to each other and say, you know what? I think I sound better on Thursdays. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Th- Thursdays can always be like the day that, okay, we got through all, like, all the, the crap in the beginning of the week. We're okay. Or it's like everything comes to head on Thursday because Friday is the last day of the work day, the work week, you know? So there's, there's a lot of debate over like the times of weeks to do things. I've heard one. Yeah. You, you call on, uh, you want to get good news on th- Wednesdays and Friday, Mondays and Fridays. I heard you want to fire people on Tuesdays. Um, I don't know that that one was an interesting one. I, I tried it once. It seemed to work out fine. So, um, you just <laughs> okay. don't want to, you don't want to go to the weekends with anger right that's when it happens that's, but you go mm-hmm. wednesday thursday through friday they maybe cool down if it's like that kind of a type thing but uh, i love getting the uh i usually get fridays i'll get like hey you didn't get the bid i get that uh, often on that do one. you i always get asked is there a right time to cold call for sales like and mm-hmm. you know what the secret is if you call your prospects on tuesday mornings between 9.47 and 11.14 in the morning, it's exactly the same as any other time slot in your week. Like if they're available to answer the phone, it's about the work you put in. There's no magic time to call people. <laughs> no magic time Damn to it. answer the phone. Damn it. Yeah. Sorry, uh, not sorry to drop that. Yeah. Well, it's all right. It happens. The And the PR rule is if you have any bad news, Friday afternoon is the time to quietly release it for your company. Have you had PR training on bad, <laughs> bad press releases to release? No, I have enough friends in PR that it's just like, it's just like hope it gets buried uh, in the. That's exactly the strategy. Monday. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. Right. It's a real right. thing. I, bu- I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, I'll anticipate in the spring as a business owner, you get a lot of bad news that the transitions of change, right? Employ like the, the new roles. Uh, there's just the, probably is a whole session ahead of us on just like the trends of be it our industry or the world. I don't know, but it's just uh typical stuff. I think we're in for some, I think that 2023 is a good year to pay attention to some macroeconomic trends when it comes to the market for landscape services. Truly. Um, I've heard it's pretty angsty on the ground. I don't know what, um, what you guys are seeing, but it, it's, in in the tech industry, I've been a little more sensitive, but I think obviously like, you know, 150,000, I don't know if it's obvious, but 150,000 tech people have been laid off in the past six months, eight months, yeah, yeah. you know, big numbers. Yeah. I mean, relatively small, but like, you know, that's, I mean, for tech, it's like, they're just such a high growth industry and the profits and the margins are very high for, especially for the larger companies. They yeah. can afford to have a little bit more blue. And if they're cutting, it's like, ah, something's up and maybe a little ahead of trend. And that's going to probably trickle down throughout the rest. But I don't know. 
I mean, I think, I think yes and no, right? Like for sure there's something to it, but also those companies bubble up really fast. So um, how much of its right sizing is, as a reactionary to economics and how much is um, we just had some years, a couple of years that were insane. I think landscapers are a little subject to it too, right? Like for two years, everybody sat at home. Um, there was a lot of free money. Nobody was really going out as much credit card debt like plummeted people couldn't travel so they put money into their backyards and now like a lot of those trends have reversed and i think that there's definitely some bubble effect to our market for landscapers um i mean anecdotally i've never gotten more calls for sales coaching than i have in the past three <laughs> months um before when i would give a presentation on sales people would be like i can sell whatever i want i can't just can't get the people which uh, I've, I've ranted on that before. Like, no, you can't, if, if you could sell as much as you wanted, you would be able to sell it at enough money to hire employees. But now people are calling me like, we can't sell. Um, and I think there's definitely some drying of markets happening for, for what we tend to do. Yeah. I, um, I, I think we, we frame it in, um, or the tends to be the conversation around construction enhancements. And then we, we think that the snow element will be in the maintenance will be that reoccurring weather related. We're fine, but, uh, pricing will be, will be, will be tightened. Um, relationships are going to be tested through this piece. Um, the renewal process itself is just going, it's a range of it's from what the market's going to bear to what we, the cost of things are now. It's still that, that conversation just not as simple as it, uh, it was, you know, two years ago. So, um, I, you know, right. I, I markets that we're in too. Um, oh, so yeah, no, it's a real one. I don't think it's been that much of a mystery. We've always been talking about it, but it's got that spike moment here again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What um, so the, what's intriguing to me about this whole situation, um, and this may be a little off topic, but I think we can get back into the topic of sales, like wrap it around. But oh, okay, good, good that you reminded the, uh, our guests of the topic because I don't even think we even told them. The I don't, I don't think we so didn't tell options. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we also didn't mention there's no guest today. It's just yeah, yeah. That's right. It's yeah. the three of us chatting. But anyway, so I think this is an interesting discussion because I, I've been I have been thinking about this a lot, and I'm curious on your guys' opinion. But um, I'm 30. I'm definitely like very much in the millennial generation, but this is the first um economic recession beyond you know covid which you know which actually wasn't in in some aspects but right right um 08 i was in high school right yeah uh before that was um dot com dot com yeah Yeah. and there's something in between there's in between there's like a little yeah small but dot com big one and then obviously 80s um so there's a lot of implications that I've been paying attention attention to again in the tech industry where you have a lot of people who are used to operating in an environment with um, no constraints, especially budgetary constraints, which leaves a lot of power uh, to the employee, not to the employer. You can demand a lot. And all of a sudden those constraints are starting to tighten and it's interesting to see how people operate with, with less money and, 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 and tighter constraints, right? This is the first for us. So like you can see that tightening happen. I've been like, you know, I, I work at include we're long company, but small, more startupy. Right. So it's not like we have big tech resources. So I'm used to this, but it's interesting seeing my cohorts react to tighten constraints. What I'm curious about is, um, have, have you experienced this before in your career 
or is this a first time and is this a new thing and how are you thinking about it? Yeah, I, we, I was, you know, I think I sort of, I was probably early on in my career when 2008 happened and, you know, we grew exponentially from that point on. Um, and it, so it's different than this one. And I couldn't explain it because I didn't watch it enough back in 2008. I just knew what we were focused on attention. And, and, and if anything, we were uh, more construction related. We really put attention to growing snow and maintenance that reoccurring business. And so maybe that was just a natural uh, inevitable piece when we were trying to change the model of the company. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's not unlike a winter, right? You, th there's mm -hmm. really good plow operators when it's light out, but when it really snows, the question is, can you really right. hold up to it? And are you really that good at what you do and planned? And um, I, we've, we're have we clearly not going to have it all figured out, but um, we think we could weather it. But then you go back to your banking relationship, you go to your customer relationships, you you, you get through because what you just said, it was a bunch of cycles. So whatever is going to hit us, it's not forever. Something's going to change. How long can you hold on through it? And um, so, you know, a lot more conversations about it. I think is more, the more business intelligence within your organization, uh, I think the more prepared you are going to be. Yeah. I, I started working in 2009 um, in the industry. And so uh, I, I saw a lot of the, I mean, it was hard for me to find a job. I ended up in the green industry, right? <laughs> so um, all worked out just fine. <laughs> worked out great, but definitely not like according to plan, um, or you know, it wasn't on my radar until there were there were not a lot of other options for jobs. Um, yeah, we sold maintenance. It was it was fine. Um, you know, learning from that now, one is you can sell whatever you want for whatever you want if you're good at sales in in any economic picture. Um, I really believe that, but, um, I think there's some really key differences here, uh, this time around potentially one is it's not as bad, right. Financially for a lot of people. Um, so that's good news, but also I think the employee, uh, availability is really different. So, um, if you look at like workforce participation, we're down quite a bit. Um, there's just less people in the workforce now based on population um, growth than there was in 2009. Uh, we still have um, another like 5 million jobs um, open in the U.S. than people in the U.S. And in 2009, we lost 5 million jobs in that recession. So I don't think that this time around is going to be as bad as last time. But even if it were, we're going to be net zero on jobs, right? And so that it's, it's still much harder to find employees. Back in 2009, you had millions more people than jobs. Um, and, and the cost is a lot higher. We've been on like, generally speaking, we're, we're paying people the same as we were 13 years ago. Uh, and that's a problem because it's catching up, right? Like now minimum wage, minimum wage has doubled in Massachusetts where I am since 2010. Yeah. And so like that pressure is catching up to businesses um, who have not been incrementally increasing uh, over the past 10 years. And that's going to be really that that's why I think it feels so problematic. Um, not because like this huge bubble burst, not because there's not opportunities out there because, you know, a year ago we were talking about the need to increase 10, 20, 30% just to keep profits the same. Now the market's softening a little bit. And you're like, well, what the hell am I going to do? Right. So I think salesmanship is the great equalizer, but it's going to be troublesome because there's still not people to do the work the way there was 15 years ago. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to get at. It's like what lessons were learned 
because obviously you can't you only can draw from your experience but it's not going to be the same thing never the same, to, right? we don't even yeah. yeah we don't even know where we're going to be honest like uh into the next year it's just more of um from what i've heard on the ground is that people are a little bit more anxious because customers yeah. are a little more anxious subcontractors are a little more anxious people are getting feisty so um and that might be a new environment especially for young professionals to operate in where everything's been pretty hunky-dory and like yeah let's just let her rip and now like now it has you have to operate a lot more efficiently yeah. and it's and, been a oh. no no go ahead i'm just i'm just I, I, it's yeah. the I, I we find that to be that that it's a it's a it comes ahead in the renewal stage here we are saying we all jobs must be super efficient um to do that on certain jobs we have to raise the price considerably but now there's price constraints uh, and so this constant debate, do we want to retain the client uh, and manage, um, a, you know, a sales, a revenue goal, uh, a target, or do we want to, you know, skinny this thing up? And there's arguments for both. And, and you know, so we've, we're seeing renewal rates in our business from anywhere from three to 5%, which like, I don't, I don't know why they're that low, but up to like 30%. And, and, and that's too big of a range, right? We recognize that we've had too much inefficiencies going on in an organization where we're seeing some things happen. We've got to tighten that up so that we're seeing more consistent. I mean, I'd love to see five to 10%, right? And much, yep. much yep. more narrow piece. Um, so I, I, it is the great debate, probably unlike other years in the past where uh, you had a battle with revenue, t- you know, constraints or, uh, and then efficiencies. And it makes this one a little more different. Yeah. I, and I think, um, depending on, on the ownership of your company, I mean, some of these, there's been a lot of private equity money in the industry for the past couple of years. And, um, they're starting to tighten the, tighten the screws on expectations. Like that's what they're good at <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they didn't, they didn't tell you that in the brochure when you took that out there. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, private equity is good for that, man. Yeah. So I think the, I think, some some organizations are feeling the foot start to drop, right? Well, Neil, your world sales coaching development. I mean, and you hope that some of these folks that have partnered with private equity are providing resources to like to generate it. But so now it's like the okay, the realities are here you are. So what are the next steps to to pushing that? And I, I, is the answer sales in 2023? Is it just grow sales or uh well it's, it's not efficiency. I mean, like it'll only look, get you so far. I, yeah, I mean come on, like what, how much more profit are you going to squeeze out? Right. Like everybody always talks about, oh, we need to be more efficient. We need to work our guys harder. Like how much harder are you going to get on the the guys in the field? I mean, they're working, right? Like you whip them so hard and you're just going to whip them out the door at some point. So what are you going to free up an extra 5%? It's not going to save the business. It's not even keeping up with inflation. And we, we find that even the bottom, that, that overhead cost that that's, climbing exponentially these days and one yeah. been very very difficult for us to hold uh hold that especially when we're trying to grow the business there's where you have to invest right. so now now you're looking at sales to do the heavy lift so if you can't fix it on on efficiency then the only other side of that equation is sacrifice profit or increase sales and and profits you know non-existent for most companies so or 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 minimal and shrinking so yeah, you got to increase sales. I mean, it's so much easier, right? Go invest in the sales guy, uh, invest in some training, get a upgrade your process. You can you can increase your your top line twenty percent overnight. Get some clients, sign up new ones. Um, it's like literally that easy to do. It's just 
it takes some time and expertise and, and maybe expense if you don't have that in house, but so much easier than telling the guys, yeah, you got to increase your production 20%. It's just not possible. And, and there's a motivation really. I, I'm a sales minded person. I think for our organization too, we, we, we think sales is a path for us for, for improved profitability and growth and, and, and or at least has a, a major role in it. So I tend to say like, I'd rather rally around that then say, hey, everybody, uh, we've got to change the paper towels to uh, this kind of, you know, the off brand, right? No more, no more uh, downy. So it's, uh, it, you know, it, it has a piece to it and people all can see how they can contribute or have a part of to play in that. Um, but that's still just, you know, talk, right? So yeah, yeah, we'll go out there. No, now we're seeing that. And to your point earlier, couple of years ago, man, I could sell anything. You want a pot, you want a pond in your backyard, you want a pool, you want new maintenance services. It was easier. I, it's going to be a different way of selling, uh, that moves us into this space. Yeah. I mean, I think social selling is like, you gotta be on it. You got, I'm, I'm, um, trying to buy solar right now for my house. And some guys are like, I want to meet with you. Why? Like do it over zoom. I don't want to meet with you. I don't even know where I'm going to be tomorrow. I want to have a meeting on my calendar that I can pull open my laptop. If you can't figure out how to share your screen and do it digitally, it's not because when it's, when it's in person, it's a whole hour. And for me, that means a whole day at home. Like, I don't want to accommodate that. Like I'm happy to sit down, just take 30 minutes on zoom and, and walk me through the info. If you can't do that, you're out. Mm. And it's, it's sad how many people can't do it. The adaptation. I mean, Miles, you, how much does does your world touch with the sales, and especially with our industry? I mean, it, what have you found for for your business to uh, an adaptation to to getting your software out there? Yeah, well, I think the sales digitally is don't. I know that's the only way that it, we sell stuff internally, right? So that's like a natural process. Like what Neil said, it's like of course. Um, I have third- how many how many people do you work with that like struggle to get on board with that plan? customers that like new customers where you're like, uh, how does uh, this work? Yeah. Yeah. It's rare. I, I you think, can tell um, they're not, they're not digital first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have, yeah. And, in, in, in like the implementation world, we have customers that are like, ah, we just like want to have you on site, you know, walk us through. And our arguments always like, um, <laughs> what, what, like that, like we're going to be there three days and you can spend all this money having this expensive. Um, and, you're not going to retain the information more than you would else, else, elsewhere. It's just like more of, yeah. Well, there's two sides of the equation. It's not just on our customers being digital first. It's also designing products that are usable and you know, you don't need a lot of that training. Right. So, same, but same thing, right? Like yeah, if, yeah. if you, if you can't present your stuff digitally in an effective communicative manner, then like, I just, you're limiting your pool, I think. But yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to communication and communication styles, right? That's, the more the more I reflect on this, the more I'm just like, is I don't know if this is silver bullet, but it's one of the silver bullets is like being an effective communicator and really being self-aware if if you are if you're actually being a, an effective communicator. Like sure. you may think you are, but you're actually not. Um and you have to do some of that reflection and get some of that feedback because uh I realized over the past three years I've done some reflection and started taking some courses. Uh one is called the uh, become an effective writer by Jeff Coins or effective writing by Jeff Coins, something like that. Either way, he has a very simple framework about writing. Ever since following that framework of defining who's this for, what promise am I making, and how can I educate the users to do that or my readers to do that, 
that's changed how I've communicated internally and externally, uh, both written and in voice. And people have listened more and people have taken action more. Yeah. Uh, generally, you know, that's um, if you have a good culture that responds to uh, good communicate, clear action and that's communicated, that's good internally. Externally, it's also the same thing because, like, to your point, consumers are generally lazy from our like lazy in a quotation marks, right? But really they're busy or they're not focused. This is not number one priority for them or the level of priority is different for them than it is for us. Uh, yeah, you got to be really simple, clean um, and, and communicate it. And this is a bit of a monologue, but I'll add one more. There's a really funny meme that I saw of uh, using AI. So like, for instance, like a salesperson will type in, type in, um, Hey, here's the project. It costs a hundred dollars and we're doing this service. And then the AI generates this really long verbose uh, yeah, yeah. thing saying like, we look to, you know, it's like, it's like a two paragraph thing. that's beautifully written. And then, then the next part is like uh, the receiver's uh, email inbox, which is trans, but again, like with the AI in the middle and it says like, they're looking to sell a job for a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they need to do. Here's a PDF. So it's like, it goes from like this like little to very verbose and like the AI again shrinks it down to a summary. But the point oh, yeah. the point was is like you don't need all this like flowery words to necessarily get to like what you're trying to communicate. So it depends. I mean, you have to I'll I'll totally agree on the communication, right? You have to know how the person you're selling to wants to buy. And yeah. that means asking and listening and then respecting it. Um and, and, uh, I'm going to, I told everybody, I don't want to meet you in person. I want to meet on zoom. I want it to be 30 minutes. I want you to get straight to the point. I'll research after I'll ask you other conversation. I'll send you the competitors quotes. I'll do all those things. Right. Um, just don't waste my time. As soon as I get the sense that somebody's wasting my time when I'll, I'll keep picking on solar. So I don't have to pick on someone we know in the industry instead. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the solar guys is like, it's really going to increase your home value to go solar. And I said, yeah, man, I just custom built this home. It's fully accessible for my wife. I'm never doing it again. We're here forever. <laughs> right? Like until one of us dies, we're here. So I don't care about the home value. He kept going back to the home value. It's literally the reason why I disqualified him. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in buying you because you're not listening to me and you don't understand what's important. We, we so, spend so much of our time, even our own sales training could be just our interactions we have with our own personal world of it, right? And so yeah. the things you hate are, if they're the things you do, you have to be self-reflecting of that. And, uh, and, it, and it's just right there is a, a very clear piece. And, and it stands out to me oftentimes when you have that bad interaction, like, damn it. Do I, I don't think I do that way, or, <laughs> but I do want to follow all my 16 steps of sales, you know, proven leadership well, every time. And I'm like, I don't think they probably do. Well, I think you have to really understand your customers, right? So I was with a, a company in our space the other day doing sales strategy planning. And um, we spent all day in a conference room. We were doing target marketing. So we're really trying to figure out the exact niche person that they're going to communicate to. And so that's a hard ask, right? Um, who's your exact customer, their demographic, their location, their annual spend, and what they value and why? So I kind of take it in steps. And so I say, well, you know, who's your favorite customer? And what do you do for them that makes you stand out? 
And this company was talking about our account management is just second to none. We're out there every two weeks. We have clean reports. They're emailed over. It's electronic. It's clear. It's step-by-step. And so I was like, awesome. Love it. I mean, there were many more steps than I mentioned here. One of the best account management systems I've ever heard. They're already doing it all. And I said, why do your customers appreciate that so much? And they're like, it's clear. It's communicative. It tells them what's going on. No, no, that's what's happening. Why do they care? Why is it so valuable for them? And it's like, I had to help them bridge the gap to your your people care because it means they don't have to go on site. And so what customer specifically cares about that are the ones who are managing multiple properties. If you're doing a mall where the mall manager works on site, they just inherently don't find as much value in that kind of report because they're, they're walking through the landscape twice a day. But if they're sitting in a major city an hour, hour and a half from the sites that you're taking care of, then your value is tenfold or a hundredfold on that report to that customer. So we need to target that kind of customer. And when we go communicate to them, we have to pitch them on the value, not the feature, right? Here's how this is going to make your life easier rather than here's what we do. Very, very few salespeople, shockingly few salespeople actually communicate that way. Well, it, it, in this time of year, what, you know, you, that was a sit down and reflective conversation, right? And so what is it that people need to be talking about with their teams um, that best helps them think through this parts? So I think you have to, there's a lot of ways you can do it, right? But I think you have to eventually get to the point where you can basically write a customer testimonial that's 100% true. And, and that revolves around their life rather than your what you're doing as a business, if that makes sense. So whether you call that a persona, whether you call that a target market, some some places will make like little cartoons of every single one. Miles, I'm sure you've seen that in the tech space. Um, however you get there, whatever process you use, the question is, why does a customer actually care? Usually it involves some sort of emotion. They're frustrated by something. They're concerned. They're worried. Um, they're disappointed. If you can start using those words with how they speak about other attempts to solve the problem in the past, you're probably on to something really well. If it's descriptive of something that you do or something that you create or some work product that you deliver, then you're probably not there yet. Yeah, the um the tool that you're talking about, there's a framework called uh, Customer Journey Map. Yeah, sure. Also yeah. a great one. So uh, use that all the time and you can put a user persona to it too if you want to full out build the whole framework. I find it's not really that necessary to like trap one person or try to try to attack like into a user persona. Yeah. Because people are dynamic, you know, and sometimes you trap yourself into like assuming I, I don't do it. I just want to be supportive of other things people may have paid for in the past. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got you. But yeah, it's a free resource here, uh just a framework, user user journey. Um I, I think it's custom, a good sorry, uh, customer journey mapping. Yeah. So customer journey is Think about all the steps from before someone contacts you to after they bought your service and mm -hmm. map them out step by step. And then um, I don't know, the one I was was instructed to use recently had smiley faces and sad faces. Yep, exactly. Where do they sit, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
for me in at least in in our business i find that the customer journey is actually not so much a journey it's, a, it's very much a short walk right <laughs> there's not a lot of steps um we don't need to map all, all the emotions as much but we have to understand what their real issues are and why they would why they enjoy so much when we do a great job here mm-hmm. yeah truly yeah, I, uh, I I'm just reflecting on that piece. You know, st- almost steps not done, done too long ago, and 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 probably just again the catalyst of this year is that's changing. Uh, it does change, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not a it's not a what we've done in the past is certainly not going to to work here now. And what kind of constraints, um, you know, even through COVID versus now through layoffs and workforce reductions, and then the perspective of of you know what you're spending on is going to get you know, in the value of that. And so um, if you're selling enhancements, you're selling maintenance services and you try to say, well, we want beautiful flowers, but then the company just like Spotify just laid off 6% of their workforce or something like that, then be very mindful what they're going to be, you know, measuring themselves off of. Um, so you've might've done that and you might've done it right for COVID, but even if you've done it in those years, it's going to be completely different now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I so, do. Oh, go ahead. I, I do like um, having multiple targets, though. So the personas is helpful framework, not necessarily to do, but to keep in mind, like we can have very distinctly different customer profiles that value differently what we do. Um, so, for instance, uh, this company I was with, um, this communication made perfect sense to property managers who were remote that had multiple properties. It also made perfect sense to property managers that had super high levels of compliance because they're in energy or banking or high security or otherwise very secure locations where every employee has to be badged and all these things um, that not a lot of their competition could do for a very different reason. And so the same feature, the same uh, benefit that we're providing to a customer may be valued for radically different reasons. And I think that that's, you know, something to, to keep in mind is just trying to map these out for your cost, uh, company. Mm. Cool. So, uh, Brett, I'm curious what you're doing internally for your sales organization. So Neil's coming in from the consultant point of view. You're coming in from, you know, you're running yeah. the whole business point of view. What's, uh, I know Neil's biased. That's what I'm saying. Well, so, uh, so biased. Shouldn't listen. <laughs> shouldn't listen. It's so biased. It, <laughs> Probably. It, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the process of sort of rebuilding uh, our sales team, recognizing that that needs focus and energy. Um, putting it in, you know, looking at both our markets and and potentially just investing more time, money, people into that space. Uh, thinking the long term, even though you invest now, that that return is going to take some time. Um, is is this the right time? You know, I wish we were maybe had better momentum with sales going into this year than we do. Um, but, um, you know, we are a big uh, referral based and, and I've got to start getting out there and hunting a little bit harder for it and making us more aware, making our markets more aware of what we do and offer. And we're hitting targets and goals that we put together for sales um, um, year over year, just through relationships and opportunities. But you know, we're starting to say no to bad clients and that's going to put, that's pushing the energy to say, well, then fine, just back it up with more sales. And there's where we're finding the pinches. 
well, geez, that's asking a lot more of our, of that sales push. And, uh, and I, and I don't think we have the, the engine there yet for that. So I'm, uh, I'd like to think soon, uh, actually Neil's helping us, uh, just trying to get ourselves, um, seeing the, seeing that team, uh, clear. Um, uh, but even at this point we get them running, uh, there's gonna be a lot of work ahead of that one too. Mm. That sales expectation is, you know, I think comes on a lot of owners or managers too. It's like, okay, I've got somebody now go out there and sell. And if you didn't, why? And, and so it, you know, I, I've always had tended to be way more lenient. Maybe I don't know if it's the right amount of leniency, but it's just you know expecting those roles, making it clear what to go after. But if you can't uh, um, act like a chameleon to the different people out there that you're selling to, you're going to have little success. Uh, and so, I, you know, how much patience do you have with it? What are we trying to achieve? And you know, we're going to be everybody I've been interviewing lately. They're not from this industry, which is a good or a bad thing, but you know, but they just don't know it yet. So that's going to take time. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a big onboarding for sure. But I think, uh, you know, I, we were, I, I think knowing what to go after there's most, most companies will do a really good job at providing like a general guideline, getting it super specific, uh, is, is a lot more rare. Right. So, um, the sales guy I was with the other day, I was with the sales guy and the owner, we were in the conference room and, um, he said, yeah, I'm told that we don't really like HOAs. Like, okay, that's, we, we all agreed in this room that we don't really like HOAs. And so the direction that had been given was kind of don't really, pers- definitely don't don't reach out to any. And if someone calls in, like, mm, try and maybe turn them away. But if they insist, then go to the meeting. I was like, whoa, why would we go to the meeting if we don't want to do HOAs? And they're like, well, if they call, what else are we going to say? Like, refer them. Refer them to someone that loves HOAs or someone that you hate. Like, either one is fine. But why would we Why would we even entertain it if we just, um, all we're going to do is spend a bunch of time, send them a price that's too high. Worst case scenario, get one on and then and then resent them for the entire customer lifetime. Because like, it's why hard, would... hard to say no, man. It's just uh, that's that had that conversation today about it, right? Got got another group of like, oh, here's a portfolio of work, and I was like, look at this. The the the, the they even tell you like, here's how many you know, these third party groups. Here's how much we're willing to pay you for it. And it's like, guys, we got to get in. We got to say yes to this, don't we? No. But it, to do that, you have to have some serious confidence that you could find the work someplace else. And or there. yeah, well, you need you need a good a good alternative, right? So so the easiest way to walk away is to have a really strong what they call banta, best alternative to a negotiated uh, to to a negotiated next solution, right? Or alternative. So if you have a really strong alternative, you if you have a sales team that's crushing it, that could otherwise go sign up someone really good. Then it's easy to be like, no, it's not a fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, and then I think in the individual salesperson themselves, they even sort of do that when they don't have those backups or the confidence within their sales piece or within the company and the organization. Now all of a sudden they're chasing leads for the 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 thousand dollar maintenance contract for uh, you know a, a little fast food joint. Like it's just I'll see these leads because it you know in, in in our market there's ebbs and flows. So it's always, there's quiet moments. So when it gets quiet, they don't have the options. They get desperate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they don't have a strong system. Cause it's not tied to daily behaviors. 
because we get a huge spike in contracts twice a year, plus or minus a couple months, right? So you have to you have to have a proven system and trust in that system to know it'll come through, but you have to have the discipline to say no. Yeah, that's yeah. something we're learning still. Uh, you know, and, and it's hard. It's hard. And, it is and, hard. And we're often getting them. Okay, you work for an HOA because years ago you picked it up, and it's the property manager. Well, you already do this one. And I love you. Well, can't you do this one next? To, you know, the other one. That's like that's the problem, right? That's that's where not saying no gets you. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and so <laughs> you got to bust out of that one and, 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 and work through that. And, um, and that's time. I mean, there's, there might be these reactions in 2023 to like this, if we don't figure it out now, we're done. I don't, you know, I want everybody to secure, and I'm sure lots of our listeners have had the confidence and gone through good years and badges, but it doesn't happen that fast. It certainly could. And there's certain circumstances that do, but, but trust in your organization, well-run organizations can have tough times, tough years, and then they could come out of it the other side. Um, but uh, but it's not to be done without with ignoring the situation. It is just saying, pra- you know, practically applying the right business model. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. And these aren't um, the the problem doesn't doesn't uh, cripple you overnight, and the solution can't be implemented overnight, right? You have to you have to really set aside a season. Um, in my unbelievably biased opinion, I think 2023 is the year too ramp up the sales effort and get it in line. Did we, say that every Miles, year. Yeah, Miles, did we say that this one was sponsored? Our guest today is uh, Neil from Grow yeah. the Bench. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and yeah. The perks of being uh, to running your own podcast and get to say whatever you want to say. That's a good point there. <laughs> uh, it, it is. I, no, I, I totally agree. You you, uh, you you hammer down. I mean, you could think about that in a lot of places. If this is the opportunity to invest in your assets and your customers and your team, I mean, when it's the hardest moment, whenever that is for you, you if you can focus, it works um, yeah. because you're putting up. Now, the better businesses do that all the time and all, you know, and, and regardless of good or bad times and they, they excel faster. Well, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of us uh, in this space are small businesses, right? And so it's not feasible, I think, to really upgrade your operations, upgrade your your equipment, upgrade your sales, like systematically all at the same time. I don't know if it's possible for most of our listeners, most of the people I know. Uh, I think you have to pick and choose. Um, and, and I think for the past couple of years, people have focused a lot on efficiency, on employees. There's a lot of companies have made a lot of good games there, right? Software was the, for sure. It was the most obvious like yeah, problem or yeah. opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense. Um, I don't, I don't think I said last year at this time that 2022 was the year for sales. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think that's something that you check the replay. Check we, the don't, replay. we don't I have don't the know. statistician. Know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be every year. It will be the year. of set. I will now, now that you've said it, I'm going to be listening to it for 2024. You should. That's, exactly. that's well, it's my life. So, you know, well, and, and again, we talk about the strengths and weaknesses and the depth that you have to have in your organization, find sales minded folks, make sure they're in that, that kind of path that could help you grow there. Putting me, as a sales-minded person into operations, I, I'll think too high level and I'll sure. I'll skip over the details. But in sales, I'll, I'll like to make the opportunities uh, create those pieces. So, just you know, if you're in your organization, you're an owner-operator, and you've got that opportunity to to spread out, you know, figure out which one is your strongest and back up the rest with other people. Hundred percent. See, I mean, wisdom yeah. is it's deep here today, even without yeah. guests. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but- yeah, I think just to to close that loop, it becomes a strategy exercise 
um, and also a leadership exercise. So from these are all really good tactical things I've realized, but depending on who's listening, right? So if you're an owner or if you are a leader in your company uh, who, who has the authority, I think, and, and the responsibility, I think those two things need to be tied together for a lot of these things. You need to be strategic on where you're applying these these things, because I do think that the temptation is, to your point, Neil, to do all the things at once, and then you fail, and you're like, "Why? Why isn't this working?" Uh, so, yeah, even even I'll make a case for not doing all the things at once, because even if um, you do have the bandwidth, when you make too many changes, it's really hard to know what's moving the needle or what's what's pulling away from where you want to go from, so, and. Yeah. Yeah, you have to run these things as an experiment. So, like, um, you know, in the in the context of sales, when I talk with someone, and they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to leave a voicemail every time nobody picks somebody doesn't pick up the phone," like, great, that voicemail needs to be the same, like word for word, same delivery, same intonation for two weeks straight, because we have to chart the results and see if they work. If you leave a different voicemail every time, then how do I know if we need to improve it or not? You don't know which ones are getting, you're not, you don't remember how you delivered it, which one you got a call back from. So you got to give it like a period of time, observe the results and then move on. And the same is true at the high level. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And that was my point is like, you don't, yeah, you want to minimize what's work in progress, especially for internal or strategic pro, uh, projects, um, because that'll really help move the needle. Even if you made the second best decision, that'll still move the needle more than you, if you were to, um, do all five or something if you didn't make the number one best decision so that's just something to reiterate I've, I've seen that in, in my leadership style right it's like you expect something of your team they don't do it it's like oh i'm not modeling this uh myself by example or i'm not tracking the right metrics so they're not actually they're not going to take the action that i'm looking for uh or in the case like is there sometimes there's just communication problems where they don't fully understand what's happening sure or in the rare case you're not bought in but then if they're not bought in, there's other issues there where, again, from a leadership perspective, are you doing the right thing for your people? So yeah. a lot of this comes through like good good leadership, good top-down decisions. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I think it's well-timed. You know, this I think this podcast has always never been too much about thinking six months in advance, but we're just here to, for healthy reminders about what to be doing now, right? And so, yes, hopefully you've been thinking about your sales sooner than this conversation. Uh, yeah. If not, you know, yes. <laughs> there's Neil out there and there's others out there and there's people that will help, but the, um, it's just those little punches that says, just, just keep moving in that right. I mean, this is obviously winter time and the Northeast is big planning time. And this conversations are always healthy and helpful just to keep us um, thinking the right way. Cause uh, there's many, many distractions out there that happen. For sure. so, but let's uh, be real though. Let's be real. And in, in the fire, sometimes those are the times the best, the best time to change. I've like, I've said this before and like, I'll stand by it is having these little reminders in the fire is the best time because when you're in the fire, that's usually when these systems break down and you revert to what you know, or what's easiest or back to old habits, which defeats the whole point of doing all yeah. these exercises. Yeah. yeah. Well, why, why, why would you ever invest in sales when contracts just fall into your lap? Like they have been for the past couple of years. It doesn't make any sense. It's a waste of money at that point, right? If you're happy right. with the results, then why would you change? The effort is easy. Oh, I completely and... agree. Yeah. 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 That's cool. All right. Well, um, to summarize here, just before we go into Rose and Thorn, um, this is what I heard was like, you can start off by using some frameworks 
to get the value out, out of what you're selling. So you can map out your customer's journey or a customer's short walk in Neil's words. Uh, but being focused selling on the value, not not necessarily the feature. So, and that needs to be specific, right? Uh, Super that's, specific. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. So you have to be very, very specific and then follow through on those expectations. And if you uh, find yourself trapped, make sure you have a good B plan or good alternative to uh, give yourself an out so that way you're not forced into these situations where you have to go down a route where you don't really feel comfortable. Um, another thing that I heard was uh, make the market more aware, aware of who you are. That was from Brett. You know, you're saying like, need increase increase market awareness. So getting tools or doing things to make the market just more aware of your existence. Self-reflect on your communication style, making sure that you are a good communicator. An effective communicator, I think, is valuable. And then uh, whatever you decide to do out of this list, make sure you test it and uh, measure the results. So that way you know you know what you're doing. It's the right thing or the wrong thing, more importantly. So that's If I were a listener and I was introduced to all those concepts, I would say massive value from this episode. <laughs> you just got oh, uh, one. Did we one. talk about, we, we probably should say yeah, levels one. of uh, confidence required in the sales piece here too. High levels of confidence and that'll get you through everything. Mm. It's like, yeah, this is excellent. Yes, you're right, Neil. You did it. <laughs> you did excellent. When, High well, level Ma, of Miles, the one who laid it all out like that. I was yeah, like, wow, yeah, no, we it, covered a lot. Yeah, we did. Right. We did. If you, there's a lot of you, little nuggets in here. I just want to, I need to summarize if they made it through all the way to the. We got to, we got to reverse this whole thing. You start the, the podcast with that, and then like, oh my gosh, I must listen to this podcast. That will create the demand, huge What's demand uh, for this. Oh, well, that's that's what effective writing is, right? You give, you don't bury the lead. You just write all the. You, you give the hint what the solution is up top and then you bury it in. So we could add it on top of it or put in the description. I don't know. Uh, we, we do the short clips. So that's the clip to cut. If anybody <laughs> on editing is, and, and uh, at least in the description, which I want the full <laughs> point. <laughs> All right. Boom. Cool. Well, uh, let's go to Rose and Thorn. Unless if anyone else has anything to add for. No, man. Sales and stuff. Okay. Kick it off. What's your, uh, what's rose. your rose and thorn? Um, well, my rose is that we're getting close to releasing uh, a huge, uh, huge product release for our company. That's been, um, it's been taking up a lot of my time. Well, and continue will continue in this next year. But uh, very exciting. That's a rose, uh, a thorn. Um. I don't really have many thorns to be honest. I mean, it's a little sleety, rainy today, but that's just you, the weather. So, do you want to use this <laughs> podcast to do the official launch of this? I think that's a very, I mean, global reach when you uh, when you launch it through this. So, just think about that. Talk to Nanette and Bill. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's for it's mainly for our um, for our current customers. So I don't know if I have any. Well, there's lots of current customers probably listening to. So, you know, I'm I just hope saying, so. I hope think so. About that option. I hope so. Yeah. How about well, you, Neil? Um, it is currently snowing at my house for the first time all winter. And I keep looking over my shoulder yeah. um, while intently listening to the conversation because I think I think there just might be enough that I get to go try out my new snowblower here in a little bit. So that is <laughs> such a huge rose. There are no thorns associated, um, especially because tomorrow... I fly down to North Carolina to speak at the National Paving Expo. So I'm going to go enjoy what I assume is warmer weather. I haven't checked it yet. 
But uh, snow blow tonight, warm weather tomorrow. It's a win-win. Bam. Um, I'll, uh, I got my rose is we're off to leaders for him at the end of the week. And so, and that mm. is, and I'm almost certain a warm place, maybe a little rain, but in, up in Hawaii. And so I think they're looking forward to what NALP has put together there and seeing some friends, uh, and bringing the family. And so we've got, we're, we're going to make a whole lot of things happen, uh, on that travel. It's a damn far tr- plane ride. I didn't, and my first time going that way. So this is going to be interesting with for that flight. So um, 12 hours, 12 Oh. Yeah, yeah, we were flying directly out of Newark, and that I think hey. could have gone the other way and uh, cut it up a little bit. But, <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I agree. No thorns. A uh, busy time, busy opportunity. We're starting to see the snow. Makes you a little nervous because it's like our first opportunity to execute in the Roch and our Rochester branch. Buffalo is like forget snow. I mean, we uh, <laughs> Buffalo term like oh three four inches. Like yeah, we get we got three four inches. But Rochester is like well, this is the first time. So. Um, so some nervousness comes with that, or are we ready or did we remember? So, uh, I wish the best for the team. Um, but, um, uh, excited for the, the season to keep, keep moving. So, and this is a good, I, I think I like Mondays kicking off with you, 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 you all and guests and future guests. So it's a good new cadence. I like it. I like being back on the podcast. Really? Well, <laughs> we do too. Especially since you do the opening and intro with your nice voice. Oh. <laughs> and your new and improved communication expertise. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm coming back loaded with knowledge from the past six months. Loaded. Awesome. And I am the Dalai Lama of skipping podcasts. That's uh <laughs> I, I'll I'll go along with that if you put it on your LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'll uh, I'll write yeah I'll, I'll write I'll write a sad boy LinkedIn post about that. So I've been really thinking about how um, <laughs> there's been I don't know we'll phrase that. I'll put into the chat uh, into the chat box to uh, see what the open AI. Is. I'll come back with that next week. I'll let you know what that whole situation looks like. But Thanks way, guys. This has been a good conversation. Appreciate it, Neil. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to you next time. Cool. Well, yeah, and thanks again to our listeners. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, all that jazz. I think you can leave a review now on uh, Spotify, so check out that feature if you're listening to Spotify. And uh, we'll go from there. We'll see you next week. Take care.